please remain standing as um, Dan is coming to read our scripture this morning. Uh, comes out of the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. This passage may, sound, may seem familiar to you because I preached on it just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I'm, 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 we're going to be examining this passage of Scripture again uh, this morning. Luke, Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word. Make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. Now God bless my words on this day. Strengthen me, O Lord. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So becoming a United Methodist pastor is somewhat difficult. <laughs> you may, you, I mean, you, you probably can't tell by looking, but becoming a United Methodist pastor is, is fairly difficult. In fact, in fact, we have uh, probably the third most difficult passageway to becoming ordained in the United Methodist Church. Um, the uh, Roman Catholicism, that is, uh, that's a, a multiple, multiple year um, uh, 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 program to, to become ordained in the, as a Roman Catholic priest. And likewise, to become a Presbyterian minister is quite lengthy as well. Uh, for me, it was, it, was a, it was a very lengthy process. Uh, I first ha- got my undergraduate degree at Oklahoma State, 120-hour uh, gradu- uh, uh, bachelor's degree, and then I went on to seminary and got a master's degree, but it wasn't a, a typical master's degree. That master's degree was a 95-hour master's degree. It's a, a very large master's degree. Most, most master's degrees are around 30 to 35 hours. And then, on top of that, after I graduated from seminary, and then I, I, I underwent a, a three-year provisional period, and then I was finally ordained, and And then, since the day I was ordained, I'm required to spend 30 hours a year in the classroom. It is a, it is a, um, it, it, it's, it's, it, it, education-wise, it's, it's not easy uh, to become a United, United Methodist pastor, but it hasn't always been that way. It hasn't, it hasn't always been that way. Uh, the Methodist movement started as a renewal movement in the Church of England. John Wesley, the, the founder of the Methodist movement, was, a, was an Anglican pastor, and, and he saw that there were so many, so many things that needed to be renewed in the, in the Church of England, and so uh, he began to, to work for reform and renewal in the Church of England, and, and he, began, he began to preach, a, he began to, 
uh, preached that salvation was not by uh, the amount of money that you gave to the church or it was not about uh, just attending worship or being in the right socioeconomic status and that status and that really was kind of the concept that was going on in England at that time but John Wesley began to preach about salvation by grace through faith and and that really I mean the the Church of England had lost that kind of teaching uh, generations before and John Wesley began began to preach that that salvation came by faith in Jesus Christ it was a grace of God but it was it was by 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 faith that we that we are that we are saved and so this this movement in the in the Church of England began to sweep all across all across the the English countryside and even began to he literally began to have a, a reforming effect on the Church of England and and many secular scholars have said that England did not have a, a revolution like France did a bloody revolution like France did primarily because of John Wesley and a couple of other preachers, but they typically lay it right at the very feet of John Wesley. Well, that, that Methodist movement uh, made its way to, to the Americas, beginning uh, around the, uh, the mid-1760s or so. The very first, the very first pastors came uh, to the, um, America. First Methodist pastors came to America. And then in the 1780s, they, uh, they, he, he sent some others that were actually ordained. Before then, before then, the, the pastors that were coming were not ordained. In fact, I, I took a, a, a two-week trip um, four or five years ago to England, and we looked. Uh, we, we, it was a John Wesley tour, and we stopped at this site, and here is where Francis Asbury took off from England to come to the New World in 1786. Uh, Francis Asbury left from this little port by the name of Pill, and he showed up in, in America, and he was, uh, he was, or, he was ordained uh, a deacon one day, ordained an elder the next day, and then he was commissioned a bishop on the third day that he was here in America. But most of the pastors that came, uh, he, John Wesley sent them out with a Bible, uh, the doctrines of this Methodist movement, and a copy of his 52 sermons. <laughs> It seems it seems a little presumptuous, doesn't it, <laughs> that John Wesley would would send these preachers out with with uh, with fifty two of of his sermons that they were that they were supposed to preach? Well, they weren't they didn't have any theological education. They didn't have most of them did not have a bachelor's degree. Uh, they did not they had not been to uh, seminary. They 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 were not ordained. They they were they were lay preachers. They were lay people that that had no formal theological training at all. And he so he sent he sent them again a Bible in one hand and his fifty two standard sermons uh, in the other hand. Well, why fifty two? Well, they're fifty two. Typically, 52 Sundays in a year. So they had one for every Sunday, and and one of the one of the sermons that is uh, one of the sermons that is in near the back, sermon number 50. The title of it is the use of money, the use of money. And so today, today we're we're beginning this uh, this series, a sh- very short series of, of sermons. Um, I, I've I've entitled it the the three simple rules. Now, this is not what many would determine were the three simple rules of Wesley, but this is his, these are his three simple rules of, of, money, of, of the use of money and money management for, for the early Methodists, and I have found these to be so helpful. 
so helpful. And so uh, today we're going to be we're we're going to begin uh, to look at, um, at at what it means for us to use money for us to use money wisely. So our passage of scripture is one that I I mentioned I I preached on a couple of weeks ago, and so you may you may remember that. You know, there's an old joke about a preacher who um, he preached the exact same sermon week after week after week after week. And finally, somebody, after about six weeks, finally, somebody went to him and said, Preacher, uh, when are you going to start preaching another sermon? And he said, Well, whenever you start getting it, uh, then I'll move on to my next one. I don't think that's the case here. (laughs) Hear me now. It's not the case here. But I did want us to look at this passage uh, again. Again, uh, uh, Jesus told a, a parable about about this man who who had a who had a, a wonderful wonderful year, and a, and as Kendall was saying, I mean, I, you would have expected the, the the Christian thing to do, as as I mean, Ryan had the right Christian answer. I, I, give 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 me the smallest give me the smallest candy bar, and you would have thought that the Christian thing for this man to have done would have been to uh, to keep his barns that were the right size for his typical crops and then and then to give away uh, the his the abundance of of his possessions of that year the the bumper crop that he had just give that away give it to those that that were in need but instead that's not what he did did he he tore down his barns and he and he built bigger ones you fool God came to him and said, you, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? On this All Saints Sunday, indeed today we are remi- remembering those that have gone on before us and today I am thankful for those who have gone before us that have, that have, that have understood this passage of Scripture, that gave of themselves, that wrote First Church into their will. In fact, in fact, just this last week, one of the great benefactors of this church from uh, from years and from decades and decades and decades ago, um, she had uh, her family. She and her family had left the left our church, a very large estate, and in fact, they they had they had given to the state of Oklahoma the property where the state capitol is built on, this great family in our church. And just this past week, I was, uh, we were contacted by uh, the executor of the estate, uh, and they are getting ready to, to give uh, to the state of Oklahoma a very, small, a very small strip of land. I think it's like 15 feet wide. They're going to go ahead and give that also to the state uh, so that there's a little bit of land right there by the capitol. And again, it comes from uh, comes from this family. I'm so thankful for those who have gone on before us that have recognized this. Uh, that have recognized this. Uh, this passage of scripture. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. I mean, when when the game is over, it go. It all goes back in the box. <laughs> we don't take it with us. We can't take. I mean, I, I I I hope I hope you hear that in in this in this scripture. You fool, this, this very night your soul will be required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is. So it is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
Many people have misquoted the passage of Scripture, and they have said, money is the root of all kinds of evil, but it's not money. What is it? It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is neither good nor evil. Mr. Wesley, in his sermon, said this about the use of money and money in itself. In the hands of his children, it is food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, raiment for the naked. It gives to the traveler and the stranger where to lay his head. By it, we may supply the place of a husband to the widow and of a father to the fatherless. We may be a defense for the oppressed, a means of health to the sick, of ease to them that are in pain. It may be as eyes to the blind, as feet to the lame. Yea, so. So what are these three simple rules? Well, the first rule is this. Earn all you can. Earn all you can. Now that, that, sounds, a, that sounds a little counterintuitive here, doesn't it? Earn all you can. In Scripture, there seems to be almost a dichotomy between, uh, be, between a, a life of blessedness, uh, meaning a life of abundant wealth. You, you read through the Old Testament and you see that God had blessed the, the, the great fathers of, uh, of, of, uh, of the Old Testament with, with significant wealth. I mean, look at all the wealth that Abraham uh, had look at all of the wealth that David had and, and Solomon and in and, and all of his glory there is I mean there it, it it I mean listen to especially some modern preachers and the the whole I mean the whole prosperity gospel that's where they get it because it seems as though God desires that he richly bless us but then there's also an, another side to that coin as well you remember what Jesus told the rich young ruler there's one thing you lack. <laughs> he asked him, so how do I inherit, the, how do I inherit eternal life? And, and he said, well, you, you know the commandments. And the, the man said, oh, yeah, I, I've done all those things. I mean, love God and love her. And I, I've, 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 done, I've done all those things. And Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. Give away all your possessions. Deny yourself and then come follow me. And Scripture says he went away sad for his possessions were great earn all you can again in spite of this dichotomy it seems in scripture between uh, god richly blessing us but then also telling us to 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 deny our possession the fact of the matter is that god has given us the jobs that we have and we need to thank god for those jobs that we have and John Wesley's advice to those early Methodists were, was to earn all you could. Earn all you could. If you were able to work, Wesley's advice to those early Methodists was get a job. Get you a job if you can. If, if you are able, earn, earn all you can. And likewise, I, I think not just, I mean, if you're past retirement age, make sure that, that you've invested uh, that, that you've invested properly to, to earn to earn all you can because Wesley understood that in order to 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 clothe the naked and to feed the hungry and to give a and to give drink to those who are thirsty it takes financial resources and so the, the I mean again we understand that that God owns it all God owns the cattle on a thousand hills but when we but when we when we're able to earn all that we can we can put that use 
uh, we can put that money to use in the hands of God. But he had some warnings about earning all you can. Earn all you can, but not at the expense of your wealth or uh, of your health, he said. Earn all you can, but not at the expense of your own health. And again, in, in the in the 1700s, you, I mean, the, the working conditions of, of so many, so many industries was so very harmful. Those that were going to the coal mines. And in fact, Wesley had a, had a significant ministry to those that were, that were in the coal mines and the, uh, and, and the, the blue collar workers of that time. And, and it was, it wasn't like working in a, in a modern day factory. No, these folks were, I mean, they typically were dying in their twenties and thirties because they literally were being worked to death. And there was even children camps camps of young children of 8, 10, 12 years old that were, that were being sent down on the bottom of mines all, all around England. And, and, and Wesley, I mean, this was a word to those folks that, that, that you need to make sure that you earn all, your can, all you can, but not at the expense of your own health. And, and, I, and I think, I think he, would, he would echo the same word to us today. Those of you who are workaholics, stop it. Stop it. Those of you who are getting ulcers because of the stress level at your job, find another job. <laughs> that is that is not good for you. It's not good for you. You cannot, you cannot continue that. I've learned it. I've learned that lesson. I've learned that lesson. I, I'm wired to be an alcoholic, an, an, an alcoholic, a workaholic. I'm not. Hear me now. <laughs> Facebook Live, if my district superintendent is watching, hear me now. <laughs> I'm wired to be a workaholic. I'm wired to be a workaholic. Um, and, I mean, that's just how I'm wired. I mean, I'm, I'm bored to death. I, I, don't, I don't do well. I mean, when I, whenever I take it, you know, whenever I have two or three days off, I, I don't know what to do. I've got to have some sort of, I've got to have some sort of activity. I, I'm not good at, at sitting around in the house. I mean, maybe, maybe a few hours, but... That, that's about all I can do. I'm just, that's just kind of how I'm wired. But I've learned, I, I, I really did learn, and it almost, it almost really was the hard way. I mean, I, I learned whenever I was, whenever I spent years and years and years working 60, 70 hours a week, it absolutely was destroying me. It really was destroying me. And I, and I came to realize uh, it wasn't healthy for me. It wasn't good for my own health. It wasn't, it wasn't good for the health of my family. In so many aspects of that. So earn all you can, but not, not, the, not at the expense of, of your own health. But also, this, the second caveat to this was earn all you can, but not at the expense of your neighbor. And so he warned those that had, um, warned those that were taking advantage of their neighbor, meaning those that were, that were charging excessive interest or, or those that were, um, that were in, um, that were in industries that was causing harm that was causing harm to other we we really need to think about this i mean i'm, I'm not going to stand up here and and tell you if 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 you work at this place or if you work at that place or if you do this or you do that you need to quit your job that i don't i don't know that that's particularly i don't know that that's particularly my place this morning but i but i do think that we need to think through about our vocations and and asking whether they are harming others i mean again you you you'll have to figure that out, whatever that means, whatever that means for you. But, I, but I, I mean, I will make such a bold statement that if you are, I mean, if, if you're in the mob, you probably need to get out of the mob. 
I mean, if, if, if you are in an industry that literally is harming others, I, I, I would challenge you to, to begin to pray through that and what that means. Indeed, we're, we're called to earn all we can, but not to the extent that we would, that we would harm others. But then, then he also said, uh, earn all you can, but not, not at the expense of your own soul. So I've, I've come across a number of people that have uh, taken jobs that, that really were, they were damaging to their own souls. It took so much time. I mean, it may be that it took so much time and effort that, that they were unable to serve in the life of the church. I mean, they, they always had to work late on, on, on the program night of their church, Wednesday nights, and then they always had to work weekends, and so they were never able to, never able to attend worship. And, and by the way, um, even though we here at First Church, we only have one service, one worship service on, on the weekends, on Sunday morning, there, there are... I mean, hundreds of churches across the city where there's a Saturday night service or a, or a Friday night service or a Sunday afternoon service. I mean, churches all over. Uh, but at the same time, at the same time, I've known folks that have been, in, uh, been involved in businesses and industries that literally it was damaging their very souls. Maybe it was the work environment. The people that they're having to work around, it was just such, a, uh, such an awful awful um, uh, office. I mean, the, there was always backbiting in the office. There was, there was always uh, trying to, trying to one-up others. Uh, it, 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 and again, it may even be in an industry that literally is soul-damaging and, and soul-condemning. I, I would strongly encourage you to, to rethink about, about, that kind of, about that kind of job. So, so John Wesley, Mr. Wesley, he, uh, he grew up very, very poor. In fact, exceedingly poor. His father was an Anglican minister um, and very, very loyal to the crown. <laughs> In fact, uh, uh, John, John's parents often fought over how loyal his father was to the crown and his mother was not quite that loyal to the crown. And they, they had a number of disagreements uh, about, about their, their relationship and especially their, uh, their relationship with uh, with the royal family, uh, John was one of nine children, and um, he he had uh, well nine uh, living children, and and his dad was uh, was a pastor of one of the poorest uh, areas in all of England, and he he often his father um, was often sent to debtors' prison, uh, a, a place where if you couldn't pay your debts, they would they would send you to debtors' prison, and so John saw his father. Uh, John saw his father um, be thrown in debtor's prison. One evening, um, he was, well, and, and John was a, uh, was a professor at Oxford University. And it was a pretty, I mean, it was a pretty easy job. Uh, it was a pretty plush job. He was earning, he was earning uh, 28, well, he was earning, uh, yeah, he was earning 30, um, uh, he was earning 30 pounds a year. And uh, he had, there in his apartment, he had just bought a, a new piece of artwork, and his chambermaid came in uh, to serve him his his new his his meal for that evening after she had after she had uh, hung this uh, this beautiful piece of art on his wall, and and it was in the dead of winter, and he saw this this young chambermaid in a very thin linen uh, dress, and and he reached into his pocket because uh, he was going to give her some money so he, she could go out and buy a coat, and he reached into his pocket, and he didn't have any money. He didn't have any money, and this is what he wrote. 
is what he wrote in his, in his journal that evening. And, and, and my guess is that he was taken back to his younger days and remembering his father being thrown in debtor's prison. He wrote this in his, in his journal. Will my master say, well done, faithful steward. Thou hast adorned thy walls with the money which might have screened this poor creature from the cold. O oh, justice, O oh, mercy, are not these pictures the blood of this poor maid? And so he made up his mind that evening, beginning in 1731, that he would only live on 28 pounds a year. He was earning 30 at that time. He would, for the rest of his life, he vowed that he would only live on 28 pounds a year. That's about uh, $28,000 in today's time. At, at his height, because of all of the, all of the books that, that, he, that, he, uh, that he sold and was writing and all of his speaking engagements, uh, the height of his earning uh, was uh, 1,400 pounds or $1.4 million per year. But John Wesley, till his dying day, lived on 28 pounds a year. When he died, when he died, they hired six very poor men from the neighborhood to help carry his casket to the graveside. And they gave, they gave all of the 87 cents that he had in his, to his name to those, four, or those six poor men who carried his casket. He had earned more, more than one fortune, <laughs> multiple fortunes over. But he gave all of it away. So, don't be afraid of earning money. It's not a sin. It's not a sin at all. What's a sin is building bigger barns. <laughs> Earn all you can. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you bow with me? Oh God, we thank you for the jobs that we have. And the jobs that we have had. That have provided for so many of us comfortable livings. That have provided for us food and clothing. And a place to lay our heads. God, we thank you for for all of the possessions that we have as well. Some of us, as simple as they are, oh God, we give you thanks for the possessions that we have. And we know that these are gifts from you. So on this day, help us to use those gifts to your glory. Help us not to build bigger barns, but instead help us to share out of our abundance. We pray all of these things through Jesus Christ. Amen.